everybody. I'm Sasha Feiler. I'm Stephen Cohen. And this is Shut Up, I Love It. A podcast where our guests come on to champion a part of culture that's underrated and or underappreciated. Joining us today, he's a writer, performer, and teacher who lives and works in L.A. He's performed with Wet the Hippos, The Merge, and Dr. Brown Builds a Show at the Lyric Hyperion. He was one half of the clown duo Jetso that performed around the country and worked as an announcer for World Championship Wrestling until the company closed its doors in 2001. Welcome, Chad Damiani. That's right. You've known me for how long? (laughs) It's a very jarring feeling when someone you've known for most of your life in Los Angeles just looks at you and puts a question mark on your last name. I know it's Damiani, but I feel like people have referred to you as Damiani, and yeah. you were okay with that. Yeah, I think when you have a Italian last name, like you forgive a lot of um, variants and sort of vowel pronunciation. You Do know? you forgive people saying it with a, a stereotypical it, yeah. Italian accent? Hey. <laughs> While they're making pizza-like yeah. movements. Yeah, pizza <laughs> movements. Personally, I'm starting to become less and less like intense when people call me feeler. I'm, I'm okay with that. I did that, and to be fair, I did that for years. <laughs> I, it's a I think maybe only a year ago. Right. Feiler? It doesn't. It doesn't sound like that when you say that. I think <laughs> no name fine. sounds. No <laughs> name needs that. Fine. It's like sling blade the way you said it. <laughs> All right, Chad Damiani. What are we here to talk about? I'm very excited um, when you guys reached out because I have a show I love, like genuinely love. Yeah, and, and this is a great example of what to bring to the show because I think probably most people, maybe a lot of people, have heard of it. But certainly people who have heard of it, most of them haven't watched it. I've, you know, when I found out you guys had watched, or I, I knew Sasha, you had watched. But... I'd watched at least two seasons and maybe watched the third season. I just don't remember because it, it was a while ago. And and it's the kind of show where remembering, yeah, like the details come so fast and furious. It's such a, like an explosive telenovela style show. It's hard to remember how much you've watched or not. But um, most people I meet have no idea of its existence. Should we say which show Sorry, we're yeah, talking about? Sorry, yeah, I cut about? you off. I, I, uh, we should say the title. Should we say the title? Yeah. We are going to be talking about the TV show Banshee from Cinemax. Chad is slowly going to take over this podcast. And yeah, just, just, so it's going to become much better too. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, so it's a show on Cinemax, which for a while was known as Skinemax. Well, yeah. And so that was. Boy, it still is. In no was, official way was it, but everyone knew it as Skinemax. That for a long time when like premium cable oh, yeah. was getting popular, that was Cinemax's real claim to fame was their after dark programming. Uh, and I think Banshee really carries that Didn't torch. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> certainly that was a mandate when this show... Because, you know, this show, um, in some produ- producer role, is Alan Ball. Right. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. Alan I saw him. He's like fourth or fifth executive producer listed on it. So, you know, you have like just amazing shows, HBO shows, Six Feet Under, True Blood. And, uh, and like just the idea of Alan... Like Alan Ball does kind of take risks, but the amount of sort of sex, gratuitous sex and violence is even just so beyond the scope of anything he's ever done. Um, yeah, definitely True Blood, it felt like um, just vampires in general, like, you know, sexy, like I am into like the whole sex scenes popping up right and left because why not? It's just yeah. within the genre. Hey, but that's life. And that's just know? life. 
But there is sort of with Banshee specifically, like compared to True Blood, there is a Skinamax quality of like it's time for the sex. You know? um, <laughs> the first episode, oh. just uh, so we probably shouldn't spoil. That's a great question much, I wanted right? to ask because there's so much stuff to talk about. Unless, unless, you, spoil. unless you want to. I think we, we should can. spoil. I'm going to spoil this thing. Great. Like so potato salad in the sun. We're going to spoil it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't watch it because honestly, like our descriptions of certain aspects of the show will not be good enough. No. Because for instance... You know, the the first episode opens with the lead character getting out of jail. Very of, casually getting out of jail. Being released from prison. No guard. Just <laughs> walking out of jail. He's walking out of jail. And you know what? You right away know he's a sex machine. Just the way, <laughs> yeah, the way so he's true. walking down that road. He has this like one shoulder, like like a very obvious scoliosis. <laughs> but like it makes him look like he's like a tiger. Like, oh, yeah. Like leaning on one side and just like ready to uh grab onto like a passing female and he and which he does because he the first thing he does is he goes to a bar and he immediately makes eyes with the bartender and then they fuck yeah i remember watching it and being like whoa there's already people fucking and i looked at it also 15 years he's been in jail no visitors he has not missed a step i mean he hasn't had sex with a woman at least for 15 years and man he still got it that was actually so well okay we gotta we gotta go back in a second but sasha i do have one question do you find him sexy it's a great question you know i've been asking myself that because <laughs> for years i've been for years. it's a really great question though because it is complicated this is it we're talking right now we're talking about anthony star anthony star but i also want to say like maybe anthony star in this role because i don't know maybe anthony star is a little bit different when you know you sure, meet him yeah. in real life but new zealander new zealander oh i never knew that yes um let me tell you like if i can just do a physical breakdown because um my, i've been watching it again with my dad but sheer coincidence when you guys contacted me because i actually the first time i watched it was just last year i had a guy move in like as a roommate a friend of mine from um back when i lived in new jersey like a teenager and this was what we bonded over because we hadn't really hung out in 20 plus years and this show we'd watch like in three hour blocks and we just go nuts and uh, we would talk incessantly about, is he attractive? Like, because certainly he's built well. Um, he's got, but then there's like this weird thing where his eyes look like he's had eye work and he's he 80 does, years he old. He looks so tired. Yes. But, and also his lower lip looks like he has chew I want to talk it. about no. his lips for a while. Uh, oh, well, okay. So, Sasha, mm-hmm. yeah. Try to give us an answer if you can. Mm-hmm. Is he a sexy man? I think with the way he's been portrayed on the show and with that scoliotic gait, <laughs> and um, I, I, I think yes. I think my answer would be yes. I believe that he is sexy. But there's a, an ellipse addendum. There to this. is the lip. It's right. There's <laughs> <laughs> there's a mouth situation going on. I think the man has no lips, and like if you look <laughs> oh, at him, oh, you think he, they're artificial? Well, here's what happened for real. I guess on the set on the first. On the, no, <laughs> that's not an insider information. That's just my research coming through. <laughs> but he had a crazy lip injury, like in the first scene they were shooting, which was like I guess a fight oh, scene because good. there's a lot of. And so he his lip was like like torn really badly, <sighs> and he needed stitches so bad. But like as the listeners might know, uh, Banshee has a lot of really crazy, long, extending, beautiful fight scenes. And so the fight scene they were shooting at the time was like a six-hour-long scene. And they were like, should we stop this? And you go to emergency room. And Anthony Starr said, no, I'm going to just, you know, keep fighting with this lip thing. And so he did for, for six hours. He needed stitches, but he still 
was there to film the scene wow. and then he was taken to the emergency room where he, they fixed up his lip and then they had to digitally fix all the shots that they recorded can i tell you why that's so interesting to me because my dad said something the other day where he said that guy smiles like someone who's trying to hide that they're missing a tooth okay and like that now makes sense like he was in pain he was in pain and he might have been in pain for the entire four seasons, four seasons. we don't know so, but he uh, doesn't, doesn't have any lip, and and I think and, no. I think it just makes him like look like he has a weird underbite. Um, yeah. yeah, and and that's like a thing that I'm like, uh, I don't know, is that supposed to be like a quirky, like sexy thing? I'm finding it like less sexy and more like creepy or like not attractive. But creepy can be sexy. You know what? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say yeah, the casting is good. Like I believe that women. Do go crazy about him, but maybe not to the extent they go crazy about him. <laughs> oh, think, it's insane the effect think, he has on women. I think um, his appeal to women is of, is more of a metaphor than a literal um, manifestation. You, re- of the you show. really, you really looking deep into this show. <laughs> uh, what metaphor for what, Stephen? Um, sex appeal in America. Oh, interesting. Um, Presented in, uh, by a New Zealander, which I think was a stand-up for a while. I think that's he was background. a stand-up com- this, comic. This I remember from researching a long time ago. So this might have been a wrong information. But I, Eric but I Bana believe... was too, right? Wasn't isn't that how mm-hmm. Eric Bana got popular? Because he's like, not funny at characters? all. I mean, as a character, I mean, one, he's one of the most unlikable, but like in a engrossing way. Like he is just not talking about Anthony Starr now. Oh yeah, no, no I'm talking, talking about Anthony Starr. Oh, we Star. are. Like, yeah, we're not talking about it. To me, like, mm. to the way the characters. I'm sorry, not Anthony Starr as a person. The character, yeah, the character, the way the character of, is portrayed. Well, we don't know his real name, but his name in the four seasons of the show is Lucas Hood. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember if they do establish what his real name is. Never ever. Because the premise of the show, real quick, is this man, this unnamed man, gets released from prison, um, and he tries to track down his old accomplice slash lover who with whom he stole some diamonds from uh, a dangerous man who we later find out is her father mr rabbit yeah also known as uh, rabbit top that's his last thing so great so bad as an eastern european person that is so bad like it's so bad just so ballsy and so he tracks her down to a small town in pennsylvania um, where she wants nothing to do with him. Fictional, fictional. Yeah. There's no real banshee. Oh, right. That's the name of the town. Mm-hmm. That's where the, the show For a while, from. I was expecting a banshee character, <laughs> like like the mystical yeah. woman in the woods. But Because there's a up. Native American bent to this. Like, there is this sort of Native American mm, casino. Yes, so, is. But there is, it's just the name of the town. And he he's ready to just take off because she says she doesn't have the diamonds. She doesn't want anything to do with him. She's married now, has children. He One eats of whom, her out really no, no, no. Gordon eats her out. Right. Her husband oh my goes God. to town like he is some sort of OBGYN. I uh, thought he was like, there were moments in this is, by the way, like we've we've met Carrie. That's the name of the. Uh, that's her uh, fake name. That's her fake name. Because she's really Anna Anastasia. And, and we met Gordon, who's a, a district attorney. and like Who, re- who cannot get things done. Gordon In is, the courtroom. Oh, my God. But in the bedroom. I honestly was like. He needs an oxygen mask. <laughs> like he was going. I mean, he was so in there. I was like, I hope "How did they a, shoot this?" I hope there I was, was a wondering. union rep on set that day because that just seems dangerous for everyone involved. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was. I've never seen even in a pornographic film someone <laughs> eat pussy like that. But also, <laughs> it's the, shocking. The thing that's nice is like usually you don't see a woman experiencing 
intense pleasure on anything, right? Like, usually it's it's all about the men. Yeah, like, yeah. sex scenes and movies and television are all about the man. And so, you know, it's nice that they put the focus on her. Uh, of course, she is... Uh, while that is happening, not thinking about him at all, remembering having sex with the Look main character, and it's something to be said that they do this thing that's so great because there's a lot of flashbacks in the series. So it's been 15 years this guy was in prison, and as the series goes on, you realize that his time in prison was hellacious, awful. The only difference they make with him in the past and the present is he's shaven in the past, so he's the same exact guy. And then she has on this sort of. Uma Thurman Pulp Fiction yes. wig. That's the only thing that delineates the past well, and the present. I think they're trying to make her look more like Mila Jovovich. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And yeah, she's, but, by the way, and beautiful. No, she's beautiful. beautiful. And I think woman. she's the same nationality as Mila. So, oh. like, they're really going hmm. for it. They're like, we got somebody who looks like a very attractive woman from the 90s. So the main character is about to leave this town because it seems like there's nothing there for him. He makes a brief stop in a bar owned by Frankie Faison from The Wire. Sugar uh, Bates. Sugar Bates is the care. He's not playing himself. Yeah, I should have specified. <laughs> by the way, what a bold choice that would have been. He's this pretty well-established yeah, did, actor. Did you ever watch the show The Wire? I was on that. I took the money and bought this bar. That would immediately ground the show so much. Like I almost feel like that should have happened. And while he's there, another man who looks very much like him walks into the bar, and we find out. Him that, is Lucas Hood. You mean? Like, he yeah, we the, the real like Lucas the main Hood. Character. Mm-hmm. We find out this man is supposed to be the new sheriff of this town, mm-hmm. and he's just stopping in for a bite to eat before he goes and meets with the he's governor. He's hungry as hell too. Oh, he's just and he eats that steak like that, that Gordon ate <laughs> pussy like two scenes before. Like it is intense. <laughs> And while uh, they're all hanging out, just having a good old time, a couple of thugs uh, come into the bar to uh, collect, right? They're, but they're, it's, but like it's important. Money, they're right? collecting protection money outside of the purview of their boss, Kai Proctor. Mm. Kai there. Proctor deserves a separate podcast, by the way. Oh, God, we could talk for days about Kai Proctor, one of the greatest characters in the history the of Amish, TV. Uh, uh, Ex-Amish uh, crime boss who likes to beat men and then immediately get a blowjob afterward. <laughs> Who uh, also uh, has a pretty distinct European accent. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's an Amish accent. Uh, that's, all, yeah. that's Pennsylvania Dutch for sure. Come by, Sheriff. Get yourself some meat. It's like one of the great, I mean, the affect on his voice just blows my mind. And so these guys uh, make the mistake of trying to rob this bar while our main character is in there. In the process, though, the new sheriff is killed. And he he was just like wanted to eat the steak so bad. I think that like he never really got a chance to by know, the way, defend himself. Just and this is like one of the things I love about the series. It's like so Sugar Bates runs this bar, which is pretty empty. Who makes the steaks? Like he doesn't have any. He doesn't have a busboy. He doesn't have a bar back. Like who made the steak? I mean, he's just like this bar. And then late, later in the same episode, or the next episode, there's a wake there. And someone's clearly made a bunch of sandwiches. I'm like, who's making these food? You're at the bar the whole time. Well, I think by the time, like, the next episode, Lucas Hood hopefully is making those sandwiches, right? Cause well, no, Lucas Hood just showed up at the wake of a man he'd he murdered. Up, no, well, so this might be confusing because we just told people Lucas Hood dies. All right. Yeah. But what happens is yeah, yeah. our main character decides, well, because I look almost exactly like this man and he may be my stand-in uh, throughout the rest of the show, I don't know. I will become 
Lucas Hood, Sheriff of Banshee. And by the way, this isn't set in 1980. This is set in the age of internet. <laughs> right. And like, like it's just the crazy, but it's such a great buy-in. And I got to tell you, not for one second did I not buy. I'm like, I'm 100% on well, board they with make this. You, it's a good hook. It's a good hook. And they make you buy it because of the really interesting and very well-performed character of Job. Best character. Mm-hmm. I think you have to put him in, if not the best top three characters of the whole series, Job. Absolutely. The trans hacker. The trans hacker, which they really offensively in Wikipedia page called transvestite, which is really uh, strange. Oh, well, do they? Is, yeah. is the character trans? I couldn't no, tell. No, he is. Well, a, I know the actor is a cis man, but I, I wasn't the sure character if the is, character was trans or like a drag Job. Queen. We should say also this character has been boldly named Job. <laughs> he's has Chinese accent. Like he's a foreign person as well. Yeah. So essentially what happens in the pilot is... The man who becomes Lucas Hood, our hero, Anthony Starr. Hero he, is a strong word. The, uh, Job is working as a hair designer who's also running a pretty intense hacking business, <laughs> an identity theft business in the back of the... All loaded up with explosives. Oh, my God. And, uh, and, but like, and you know, just like, just like, I mean, the dressed amazing. Like, everything he, he wears is... the best outfits in the so entire good. series. And it is. He's walking that line of, like, androgyny and, like... Yeah, I think he's a trans in the sense that he, you know, dresses... Of, in but he's not a trans opposite. woman. He, he refers to himself as he. Yeah, yeah more for gen- sure. Gender fluid. Gender fluid. I think gender fluid is a great way to describe there it. There you go. But um, they really figure out very early in the series how great he is. Because when you first meet him, he's not so great. And then, like, two scenes later, it's like, boom, boom, motherfucker. And, like, yeah. every, then every time he's on stage, he just has these great little tight, like, oh. insults and lines. Every time my girlfriend, Krista, when we would force her, when Jeff and I would watch last year, we'd force her to watch with us because she hated it. Um, she would be like, I like it when he's on camera. I was like, that's the greatest compliment you can get. Yeah. yeah, he's, I like in, I think, the second episode, he's fled to Miami or something, <laughs> yeah. and he's talking to Lucas Hood on the phone, and he's also just uh, berating a, a, teenage, a girl. teenage girl. <laughs> a teenage girl who had the audacity just to look at him <laughs> on the beach. And then he wasn't in the third episode. Full. So I only watched the first three episodes. I, I, I did not have a chance to watch more. Um, That's okay. Job is not in the third episode, which well, what is happens sad. is sort of there. There is this sort of like I said, they come to realize his value, mm. and eventually becomes very integral to Absolutely. the series. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. but and no it, character a, development, by the way. No. Just he's around a lot, saying really pithy, funny things. Him and Sugar Bates have a whole thing going on. Oh, yeah. that's nice. And then Job, yeah, like he just has the type of hacker skills that he should be working for the United States. <laughs> oh, insane! Because he's the guy who eventually makes this transformation possible for Anthony Starr because he goes on the internet and just changes all the pictures. He just starts typing really fast. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I can do it. Like, And they sort of, it's like they kind of <laughs> try to sell you on it. Like, I mean, we're talking about the the best hacking in the world. And, uh, he, and they show him just like replacing Google images with Anthony Starr's face. I'm like, people took these pictures. You can't replace those pictures. It's But it's like you don't care because it's like the spirit of the show is so like... Guys, we're going for it. We're strap in, you know. So I want to uh, take a minute, and you've you you've said a lot of the things you like about the show, Chad. Can you pinpoint a reason why the show connects? Why you connect to the show so much? I think, you know. Also, I work as a you know I make money as a screenwriter and stuff like that. And so on one level, I also connect with the idea of just this permission the show has, mm. this permission just to go wherever it wants. And not to get stuck on the logic. Um, but also, growing up, like, 
I love Roadhouse. Like Roadhouse was one of my favorite movies growing up. And there is sort of a spirit of like 80s action movies and just like don't give a f- like Tango and Cash. Like also these. When you say yeah. sorry, when you say you you love these movies, you mean like sincerely, oh, yeah. right? Not in the way that a lot of people now are like, oh yeah, I love Roadhouse. It's so. There's no stupid. ironic detachment for me with Road. Like by the way, I also you know which Sasha and I, I used to come to Sasha's place to watch movies that are like for instance. Um, like Steven Seagal movies, mm. to me those are so bad they're good. Mm-hmm. But Roadhouse is actually a perfect movie. Like yeah. Roadhouse is like, I like Roadhouse. Uh, f- you know, First Night, Roadhouse. These movies that are like super imaginative, and like have really like over the top characters, and like it just sort of captures my youth. Like movies I watched growing up. Like, um, and there's just like this audacity to the show that like. They really hook you in, and there is a part of you that's like, "Come on!" But then a second later, you're like, "Oh my god, what's gonna happen? We gotta watch the next one." I uh, like this telenovela quality, um, and uh, yeah, like it was crazy because I do think actually that pilot is a supremely well crafted pilot. Right off the bat, we're in it. Like it's just driven by action. They sort of set up a sex, sex specifically. violence. Well, they have this great well, scene bus, in New York. The bus, the bus rolls scene. over. Oh yeah! And about three minutes in, yeah. you were worried right that the bus. He, right when he finishes having sex with that bartender. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I would like to say too, like John Woo at his best. Like, I feel like you can sort of compare this show to him. Like, where it's just like we're going to give you such a spectacle, and this show does it. And like, these characters are so complicated. And like, like they do things that are so loathsome, but yet they're your heroes. And like, I don't know. I just, it reminded me of like when I was young and I watched Oz, like Mm. just this sort of like, just a boldness to the show. But also like you do get the fun of like, oh my God, really? And also just every sex scene is, um, I think shot and directed in the way that you look at it and you're like, holy shit, what am I looking at? They're just so bold with their choices. There is a character um, that becomes very important, um, a character named Rebecca. Rebecca. We have to talk about Rebecca. <sighs> yeah, whole whole so podcast on Rebecca. Rebecca is a woman that we are first introduced to when Lucas Hood is having sex with her. Um she goes and upstairs then, like many women do in search for right because we should have mentioned uh, Anthony Starr, aka Lucas Hood, lives above Sugar Bates's or lives in a barn next to Sugar Bates's bar, very much like Roadhouse. But sometimes he will have sex with women in the basement of the bar. He won't even take them. He won't even bother to take <laughs> them upstairs. Well, Stephen, like if you saw more than three episodes, sometimes he would just find women upstairs. Yeah, they oh, just wow. be. Oh, they yeah. would just oh, be in great. his place. But but uh, when we first meet her, I mean one. It's very important to note that this legitimately like was a Ford model. Like she mm. is stunningly beautiful. She kind of comes up, takes off her dress. She's in Bone Tomahawk, Lily Simmons. Hmm. I think she. Uh, I think I saw her too in Ray Donovan. Mm-hmm. Like I think she had a decent role in that mm-hmm. thing. She's kind of gone on to do other things, but like she just strips completely naked. They have sex on this rickety bed, and then she like puts her dress back on. I don't even remember if she spoke. I don't think she did. And then later, when sort of Kai Proctor, who we're going to have to have a long conversation about, that is, again, the uh, former Amish bad guy. Um, he's talking to sort of uh, Lucas Hood, and he's like, oh, Lucas Hood, you should meet my niece. And immediately, even from the back, you're like, this is a stunning woman in Amish clothes. Like, there's nothing about her that's plain. And she turns around, and she's like fully made up. Yeah. Like and she's and she's lit perfectly. It's natural. It's just her natural look. Oh my god! It's I'd so say good. all women on the show are very attractive. Yeah. So yeah. so we find oh absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we find out that this woman that he just 
had sex with is actually Amish and the niece of Kai Proctor, who is the primary antagonist of the show. Yeah, I mean, for the first season, he's... But, like, there's a bunch of bad guys that there's come in now. a bunch of bad guys. But, yeah, mm-hmm. there's the big arc of the series is definitely with Kai Proctor. Yeah, I was surprised when I looked at just the Wikipedia page. Like, I was looking at the cast list. I was surprised that he was not just the antagonist of the first season because a lot of shows yeah. like this, a lot of crime dramas have, like, their primary antagonist and then... You know, they move on to another one next time. The show that I thought about a lot when I was watching these first three episodes, be, uh, because it's another kind of rural crime drama, was Justified. Oh, yeah. There's and definitely that, some bones of Justified. Yeah, this show feels... I, when I was watching it, I thought, oh, the creators of this show must have worked on Justified, because it feels like Justified. They, I always would they say they've not. been fired from Justified. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Also, Wise Justified Guy. Does. There's a show called Wise Guy that I don't know if you guys remember, but that was one of my favorite shows as a kid, and it reminds me very much of that show that starred Ken Wall. And that show is super unique in the 80s because they would actually split their season in half, and they'd have one primary villain that Vinny Terranova, played by Ken Wall, would go undercover and take down, and then the second half of the the same season and that was where uh, Kevin Spacey got his start um you know as Mel Prophet and there is this sort of sense of this sort of it's amazing because Kai Proctor is such a big character you're like there's no way they can sustain it but they do and they go all kinds <laughs> of crazy places with this character and I think writing is amazing on the show they're like why have one antagonist why have two let's just keep bringing them in <laughs> so many and I mean rabbit of yeah course. right so so uh his love interest uh, Anna. Anna. Her father is this man that they stole diamonds from. And so he is kind of like a, a Thanos-esque uh, oh. villain in that he's I mean, in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like, it seems like the overarching plot of maybe the first season is about him trying to get revenge, but Kai Proctor is the villain Seasons that we are one, seeing. two, and three involve sort of Rabbit in mm. one way or another. Um, and, uh, right. I mean, this is the kind of stuff they do with Rabbit. Like, when you meet him, and uh, I forget the actor who plays him, but he's, like, like a famous kind of baddie from, like... Ben Cross as eager Mr. Rabbit, yeah. Rabbit. Ben Cross. We, you've seen him. I think he was in, like, Warlock. Like, if not that, like... He's he been, looks you know, like a warlock. Yeah, he's great. And, like, one of the first things they show is him beating two guys at chess at once. Like, what a great... <laughs> Like, just to, so you know, if there was any doubts, this is a smart guy who's ahead of you. And who is Russian. In Russian. I have to say, as a Russian person, um, <laughs> and I, I think he's, I guess he's playing Ukrainian person, you yeah. know. But he's my least favorite character on the entire series. Yeah, I mean, he's very one note. He's very one note. He also just, I guess he kind of fooled me that he's, you know, Russian. Like, I thought that maybe he is, but uh, he's American. Yeah. Hmm. So I, in that sense, I'm like, all right, he's doing good accent, even though he's doing a little too heavy, like maybe. But I, I just really didn't care for his character, and I just wanted him to get killed off pretty fast. But it wouldn't you say well. too? They just wanted us to buy into what an enigmatic character he was without doing any work to earn it. I like, think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, yeah, I don't know. You're playing a stereotype, and that's that's just my pet peeve in general. Also, a former portrayed. a former uh, like a chess player. Seeing mm-hmm. this guy, I mean, you're probably looking like this guy's not really playing chess. Yeah, that's that was another thing. I'm, I'm a chess player, and I was like, yeah, can't do it like that. Yeah. But going back to Lucas Hood, this man can fight. Yeah. Like there was a, so the plot of the third episode is Kai Proctor is trying to host a boxing match at a casino. <laughs> this is Indian one of the casino. this is one of the best episodes in the whole series. <laughs> and so they're bringing in a a big boxing star. 
to do a match. It's here. technically MM. Just to be, it's oh, a, is it? It's MMA. Yeah, so we think... never actually see the the match. Never. So <laughs> I was unclear, but thank you mm-hmm. um, for clarifying. Uh, the guy over is the big. The guy it, is very tall. Yeah. And Lucas Hood is not known for his height. <laughs> no, no. Right. No. Watching the show, you think <laughs> this man is four foot eleven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, over the course of this episode, this fighter um, does some very bad things. And uh, Lucas Hood, who has now made himself the sheriff of this town, decides he has to go take him down. And there is a They Live-esque, never-ending physical fight between the two of them at the end of the episode. It goes on and on on. while all the characters of the entire show are gathered (laughs) around and watching it. By the way, this is on the the, uh, Native American Indian Reservation, Mm -hmm. which is also a major component to the town of Banshee. Uh, And every once in a while, one of these gathered characters will say something like, that's enough, Hood. Or like change his cell phone to like a different like a burner version because they're like been recording the entire time this fight that goes on for thirty minutes. Uh, oh, but he so does long. not stop, and they these two men are just beating the hell out of each other. By the way, this is just a press conference for the fight that's supposed to happen. <laughs> that he shows up and just decides because that's the thing they do immediately. You realize that Lucas Hood, the new Lucas Hood, is not going to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a normal sheriff. He doesn't I mean, even know the rules yeah, he, to and, play by. And like I think what you said, Sasha, was so true. I never thought about it, but he just feels like this tiger. He feels like the tiger right before he was going to kill Siegfried or Roy. Like, well, he's just right on the edge I all would, the time. I would guess that's what his acting like rehearsals were based on. Like He was watching, <laughs> watching a lot videos of, of tigers. Yes. He had that sure. look. And yeah, this fight goes on and no one stops it. There's all these people watching. And this by the well, guy... no one could, to be fair... But no that guy's supposed to fight that <laughs> night. It's supposed to be a big money fight. Like, they would just stop it for their own financial interest. But the fighter himself is like, says, essentially, you know, let me do this. Because <laughs> yeah. he thinks he's going to beat the crap out of And he does Lucas for a while. He says, sure. all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the amateur hour. And little does he know, this is not going to yeah. be amateur. And the whole time this fight is happening, you're also seeing uh, black and white flashbacks to L- Lucas Hood fighting in prison. We should mention, and I don't think this probably, you might not have known this, yeah. it is revealed later that he does have some form of PTSD. From, okay. Yeah, from, I figured. because yeah, From whole, prison stuff. That whole third episode kind of starts with him like having a nightmare. Yeah. About also, I think he was a soldier. Like, so he has double PTSD oh from being a soldier <laughs> and also 15 years in prison. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think the fight culminates in this. It's just like some at some point during this fight, Lucas Hood bites off the ear of <laughs> oh he's a maniac he's, so the, a fighter it's it's just going and going they're exchanging punches eventually Lucas Hood bites his ear somehow gets him pushed up against the table does like the you know Mister Spock does the the live long and prosper symbol he takes his fingers and just cracks him right so down crazy. the palm so and crazy. then <laughs> like, so good. Gets him on the floor and continues to just break parts of his body, like breaks his arm and then just beats him silly. It's like a fever dream. (laughs) It's so good. But I'll tell you when I, when I, you know, I just watched that again. The first time I watched it, me and my roommate, Jeff, we were like standing up like we were at like a monster truck show. Like we couldn't believe that this fight. And by the way. Um, as you go further, that is by far one of the shortest fights. Wow. One of the shortest and probably least choreographed because there's only two people fighting. Yeah. Right. I see. So Sasha made some notes before the episode, and I see she made a point to credit the fight choreographer Marcus Young. So I imagine these fights must get pretty crazy. 
They get pretty mm-hmm. crazy. I, I think this they, guy was they, worth shouting out. Yeah, I think this show is known just sort of like even like the Hollywood community. It's done by the best stuntmen yeah. and women, and it's uh, choreographed in the most uh, uh, complicated way. And often fight scenes take days to shoot. For example, there's well, a when famous... it's, it's a third of the episode. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. For example, there is a um, famous season finale fight scene that takes place in the church, I believe. It's uh, season two finale. They shot it over four days, I believe, or three or four days, which is insane. And it is. And, you know, also, I should it's mentioned here, I worked in pro wrestling for years, and I'm a pro wrestling fan. And I think this show has done a great job of, like, getting emotion and storytelling into the fights. Like, it's not just a fight. You know, um, there's a fight that happens between Anna slash Carrie, that's the love interest, and one of Rabbit's top guys that if you in sort of the upstairs time, at lucas hood's uh, yeah uh, lucas hood is left uh you know because this affair starts um and he goes and does a bunch of errands so we are to believe this fight has <laughs> gone on go, for eight or nine hours like to the laundromat he yeah. has to right but to the yeah, post he office. does he drives someplace and they cut back to the fight and there's still fight and like it's a fight that would have killed anyone and uh it's a it's just amazing like because they do find ways to keep heightening it and making it more interesting. I think that could be said for the entire just like premise of the show. They find a way to heighten any aspect of television. Sex, violence, (laughs) storytelling, and flashbacks. Everything is to the point that you're like, whoa, this is overly saturated. Oh, yeah. Well, wouldn't it feel like too, like it would feel like it would have five endings because the scenes would be so intense. You're like, we've got to be done. And you'd look and be like, we're only 25 minutes in. And then they would have three more explosive endings to the same show. So I think a lot of the times shows like this where the premise is based on a lie um, uh, have trouble sustaining that tension for multiple seasons. Uh, A show that is kind of similar to this that's being produced now is Sneaky Pete Mm -hmm. uh, with Giovanni Ribisi, which is is also a Vince Gilligan show, the... um, or not Vince Gilligan, uh, Graham Yost, the justified guy, um, is about Giovanni Ribisi pretending to be a person and, and putting himself into these other people's lives. Streaming on Amazon. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and that's a show that I like a lot. Um, but it's only had two seasons, so it hasn't really had time to wear out its welcome. How does this, um, this uh, you know, this premise of him pretending to be this guy, how does that play? Does it feel genuine over the amount of the show that you guys have watched? I would say, and again, I have not seen the fourth season. Mm. I was satisfied with the first three, and I think Sasha keyed on this earlier. They just keep bringing in crazy villains. So even though we're following the sort of long-term arcs of Kai Proctor and Rabbit, also you have um, Shayton Littlestone, like the sort of he's from this Native American anarchist who uh, mm-hmm. kills a future love interest of Lucas Hood's. And uh, there's a biker gang that comes in and causes all kinds of trouble. Do you mean He kills Siobhan? Uh, he kills Siobhan, yes. Oh, Deputy I, Siobhan. I did not see that. Oh. Oh, um, oh, my God. That's one of the best scenes ever where it's like sort of there's this, um, you know, what's that? Attack on Precinct 13? I forget the name. Assault. Assault. So it's a scene like that. And uh, Shayton... Um, is, is confusing. Shayton kills Siobhan, but Shayton, he's like six <laughs> four. He's a massive guy. Yes, he's yeah. actually very like a. Is it the guy with like a very deep? Very, the, we oh. always said like the radio. Like he has the smoothest. Oh, he's a very voice. interesting actor. Yeah, and always I was waiting for him also to be like, 
we've got to cut to commercial, then more sweet R&B. <laughs> like, his voice is so good. Yeah. Um, but there's a scene where he snaps Deputy Siobhan's oh, neck. Boy, and sad. it's like it's like done, like, like Hood's trying to get to him, and he's it's, it's so dramatic. Yeah. Because then, like, there's some whole like thing her. where, you know. A fair amount of the time, women on the show are just there to be naked. To ha- be she is naked later. Sex with she's had sex with. Later. Um, I do like that she is. Th- so she's the only uh, woman in the police department that Lucas Hood takes over, right? Well, this there's a, there's the about. um there's the secretary, but the only cop. Sure, yeah. right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I like there's her Brock. presence yeah, on the show. Brock and then oh, it, I got to talk about Brock for a little after this. It seems like. She is kind of clocking that he's maybe not on the level. There's a lot going on with Siobhan. A lot. Okay. One, we find out that she is uh, from an abusive relationship, so that's a oh. sub storyline. There's also this great moment, like they eventually end up together. You okay. know, but but this relationship is definitely presented as true love. Like it's not like a oh. like they're really like every time they show their sex scenes, they slow them down. You know, like so it's so not slow. like. That's interesting because I would assume that the true love on the show would be between Lucas and Anna. Anna. What would you say, Chad? Because I couldn't figure it out. At the end of season two, I couldn't tell who is the true love for Lucas. I, I think, well, because they're setting up for Siobhan's death, they're setting up that this is, here's the thing, with Carrie or Anna or whatever you want to call her, this is sort of the relationship that has defined Lucas Hood, but it's also extremely toxic. She's She's the partner that he deserves yeah. whereas uh she's Siobhan what is he like, could be yeah like the partner he would want to have and he's trying to do everything right with her he's trying to but but at the same time he has all these secrets yeah, she he eventually turn her find, down yeah. the first time he she like throws herself at oh, him yeah. he refuses there's yeah. this line that um blew my mind i must have re- rewound it like three times where there's no hint that like the, there's obviously like two attractive people sexual tension but She's like had some trouble with this ex-spouse and this and that. And he's like, let me stay and like be here for you. I'm just worried. And she goes, uh, you know, when I ask you to stay, oh yeah, you, she goes, you know, it'll be on my terms. And it's like, whoa, like yes. this is a coworker. But like, that's kind of the first real tease that like, obviously she's sort of into him, you mm. know. I've been okay with Siobhan. Like, I always felt like she is the less interesting version of what uh, Deb is on Dexter, if anybody knows. Oh, that's an interesting thing. Well, Deb has all that personality. She's so broken, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I always felt like Siobhan, like um, that she's made to think like she's like a tough uh, cop, but she really just looks like an actress. And her first scene in the show is her um, abusing a man that she's arresting, like a, me- a meth addict, <laughs> just a guy who's not even really fighting just back, slamming him into a table. I think she punches him. Classic police brutality. Yeah, but I- you don't buy it. Yeah, I, I guess I just don't buy it. I think, though, in general, for me, all the cops, all the deputies, they're just like one note in a really funny way. Like, Brock. she is Brock, <laughs> ugh, Deputy Brock. When Lucas Hood, the, the real Lucas Hood was brought in, he was brought in instead of promoting Deputy Brock, who essentially plays Debbie Downer the whole series. Played by Matt Servito. Yeah, great do you, actor. Do you guys think Will McLaughlin uh, auditioned for that role? Oh, he absolutely could have nailed that role. Yeah. But uh, all Brock does is stuff like, I should have been sheriff, or that's not the way things work here, Hood. Like, all, I mean, just one note. And then, like, as the seasons progress, they give him a little, like, he grows a beard. That was some serious character okay. development, that beard. 
And then he has an ex-wife that he's sort of into. But he and it sort of seems like, oh, he's coming around to Lucas Hood's way, and they're always going back to like, damn it, Hood, you're gonna bring the heat to like this is not how things are done in Banshee. Oh, it's so good. And then, of course, there's Deputy Emmett, who has like a dramatic sort of arc in the thing. His arc is defined by two episodes. Before that, he is simply a black guy who played <laughs> yes. football in Banshee. Yeah, that's, that's all people bring for up. For me at this point, that's all I know about him. <laughs> and he's a great, he's a real, when you see him, so he gets a couple episodes where he gets to be the focus, crushes it. Super interesting. I agree. Best actor. And then I, I remember I was watching with Jeff and we were like, oh man, they're finally given this guy. I think his name's Demetrius. Um, Demetrius, uh, his real actor name. I'm like, this guy is great. They have given him nothing. Finally. And they murder him. Like, yeah, immediately. Of course. Sure. Makes sense. Um, and then there's, of course, the young mayor that I wanted to bring <sighs> up. Young mayor. He's like a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> he's a boy mayor. He's a child mayor. And and he's presented as such. He's like, we got to save this town. Like, Yeah, he said, I think his first line when Lucas sees him is, I know I look young. Because I am. I am. And I think they kind of <laughs> drop that storyline, right? They Don't kill they? him. Oh, they kill him. Oh. He's, he's blown up in the he's casino. He's blown up in the casino oh, wow. when Lily. Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca, yeah. Lily Simmons. Rebecca, the Amish uh, fuck machine. Yeah. Right, because eventually we should mention she is ousted from the Amish community, taken in by Kai Proctor. I don't know if they're technically really related, but some real kinky, incestuous stuff goes oh, down. Oh, even the first scene I saw together between the two of them. There's a lot of sexual tension that no. made me very It goes way further. <laughs> great. But, way further. It's so great. But Kai Proctor does uh, initiate her into being... Villainy? Yeah, villainy yeah. Uh, by uh, murdering the mayor in the casino building. Yeah, because what's happening, too, there's this That's side thing initiation. where Kai Proctor, he's had a long relationship with Alex Longshadow's dad, who was the chief, where they were working together, and it was like... You know, but Alex Longshadow, he's the young, soon-to-be chief because the dad. These are the these are the guys who who run the casino, the casino and the Uh reservation. And so, what happens is when the father dies and Alex Longshadow takes over, he doesn't want to work with Proctor. So Proctor sends this big message by blowing up a half-built casino. The mayor, I don't even remember why he was in this half-built building, (laughs) but he was. Yeah, there's like a very short explanation for it. They just force it in. They constantly make promises like, hey, man, things are going to go to shit. Like, and then they somehow do pay them off. Like, you know, and then yet they get the town back on track again. You know, it's just really, it's really impressive because normally like you burn out. You Like, it's like 24. Like, I watched the first few seasons of 24. But then by the fourth season, I'm like, I get it. Jack Powers Mm -hmm. in a lot of trouble. But this... It's so batshit fun, you don't care. Like, they just keep raising the ante, and you just keep buying in, you know? Yeah, I always felt like Banshee was batshit more than anything. Yeah. Um, before we move on to, like, sort of the next question, I, I was just going to mention one more character that I think deserves a little spotlight is Deva. Oh, the most the hated daughter. character. I hate Deva <laughs> so much. So, I love so Everybody Deva... has its hated character on this, on this show. Stephen, do you have a character that you hate? Oh, uh, we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so so Deva is presented as the daughter of Anna and Gordon, but we right immediately away, no. understand yeah. that she is actually the daughter of Lucas Hood. And Lucas Hood figures it like he knows from episode, like he checks her ID just to check her age. But there's a sexual tension between her and him, like in great, well, <laughs> absolutely. And but the thing is, it's like one of those things where, in general, I almost always hate child actors. Mm-hmm. But like she's presented as this sort of rebellious, cool, and she's they really cast it. And by the way, I don't think she's a bad actress. The casting, she is 
just she kind of like it's like a fish faced like weirdo like mm-hmm. like they just i don't know well, who they should have fish face too with the that, that's true i, I guess mm. <laughs> but like the minute i saw her i was like this is not the rebel girl character like and she she's also given a huge load to bear in the sense that she has to be awful all the time yeah that's always i feel like because there's a lot of shows that do that right homeland does that as well with their daughter character like they put this burden on the young actress to be shitty and so you're either going to dislike them for doing it well or (laughs) dislike them for doing it poorly uh but also she doesn't like she doesn't look like hood she doesn't look like anna like Hmm. it's just one of those or gordon she just it's this weird um like they've gotten this sort of freckle-faced kid and it's just like why and then like you said everything she's doing is she's cutting school she's hanging out the drug dealers she's making out with uh not my boyfriend guy he's like (laughs) tell that to her tears when he dies (laughs) and lucas hood goes well i hope he's not your brother and i was like zinger zinger hood uh all right so so chad we've certainly established you like this show um the premise of the podcast right is that we're here to talk about things that people either don't know about or don't like on that spectrum where do you think the show banshee falls it's interesting. I, I think that because it was on Cinemax, which mm-hmm. is really known for original programming, it's very well, much... It's yeah. known for summer. It was originally to go on HBO, which was Cinemax was HBO's... Uh, right, HBO oh, owns Cinemax. This. Right, So, but then they decided that Cinemax needs more original programming, so they're like, HBO is not going to be affiliated with that, and this mm. is what happened. Yeah, and so I think that sort of choice, I think, if it, I think honestly, if it had been on HBO, it would have gotten a lot more exposure, and... And people would have seen it. And I do think you have to taste wise. Like I put Banshee in sort of the category of like Spartacus and Oz and like shows that really challenge. Like you have to be ready for a ride. They're kind of grindhousey. Yeah. And like I love like I'm a big grindhouse fan in general. Like I love that stuff. Like really love it, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I would put it in the category of just not people not having a ton of exposure to it because Mm -hmm. It was sort of an experiment. Free for Amazon, like yeah. free couple of seasons on Amazon. Right, right now, right now. It is. Yeah. now it's yeah. on Amazon Prime. The first two seasons. Um, well, I think it was when I saw it, which was a couple of years ago. So I think you know, that's like as big an exposure because most people do have Amazon Prime. I right, assume. but but I don't think it was like a big push. Like people should check. Like I think that's yeah. that's a problem with Amazon Prime is um, they don't have a very good user interface. That's a good point. Uh, they mm-hmm. you know it's really hard to. To find the things that you want to watch, the only Unless thing that people, the only thing that people really know is on Amazon are like Amazon shows, like Transparent. Or... Right, and they they do do a good job of pushing those. Yeah. yeah, I think there's also the misleading poster, like the terrible one of the worst banshee. posters. The poster says nothing about the show. If anything, when I first saw it, and I was like, "Oh, what's this?" Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be like about Native American something. You know, like that that it was this sort of. It, yeah, the description was shitty. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I feel like you it's not a show that you necessarily go, oh, this, th- I'm curious about this. Yeah, I thought it was more like um, like a Samurai Jack type of animation. <laughs> yeah, so the poster is like, it looks like paper cutouts kind of, of uh, we see a dead body with a sheriff star next to it. And another body is it's like terrible. digging a hole, which is essentially the premise of the show. But why in that style they, sh- they yeah. should have done like if you ask me like one of those classic 70s 
black exploitation style posters with like hood up front and then like you know job in the background in one of his outfits and like white supremacists and you know like albino which we probably won't talk about because Stephen is not familiar with albino but it's one of the scariest Sorry, did you say villains. albino president prisoner oh okay I'm less albino president was an improv team i was on for six <laughs> years no no could you imagine it sounds uh we are I'll albino president but uh, yeah, Albino, this which is the so name, great. literally the name of the uh-huh. you know villain. But uh, he is one of the scariest villains mm-hmm. in television history to me. Oh yeah, because he's like this. He's one jacked, ripped, and like he looks like powder on steroids, <laughs> and uh, and he's like a ruthless sexual predator in this prison. He's terrifying. Yeah, he's got you know red eyes, and he's afraid of the sun. Weren't you surprised that? he was killed in the like once they saw him i'm like don't kill this guy this guy's got to show up this guy's got to get out of jail he's such a good villain yeah Yeah. um so sasha i think we're getting a sense of of how you feel about the show but what what do you think of banshee um we have a 10 point scale yeah that we decided we're gonna rate the the show based on our experience and you know our context for similar things I think in my heart, I would say that I'd give Banshee overall a strong seven on the scale of where it lays for me, like in terms of like television shows that I admire. And I think it, would sh- it should go really to eight. But there's some episodes that I really was annoyed and bored with that I remember there's an episode where Lucas Hood and Anna were locked in like their little... Um, house yeah, yeah and it's just like this bottle they have a it's sniper like right completely, a... yeah it's just unwatchable but um i think seven is a fair number for that show for me which means yay i like it yeah that's a positive rating for sure mm-hmm. um what about you steven uh, so i've watched three episodes um i don't love it Part, Why? Part of, I wish this was a video podcast because it was such a thoughtful response. His whole body was so thoughtful. Part of the problem is Lucas Hood. Obviously, the show is trying to strike this balance between him being this kind of dangerous bad guy, but also charming and cool. And it's not really working for me. I don't know if that is it's the, the mouth. I don't know. I don't know if it's the mouth. I don't know if it's the writing or Anthony Starr's acting or probably it's a combination of all these things. And I'm this is the kind of thing that I'm sure as they got more comfortable doing the show, it, it it's something that they fit into more easily. But from the perspective of the first three episodes, he is kind of coming off as a kind of almost bland kind of shell a lot of the time and you know he's the main character of the show he's the driving force so it's not really With a lot of testosterone yeah so much uh <laughs> so that is kind of a barrier for me right now um also the show really is, it luxuriates in its ability to be vulgar, right? It, both in language and, and visuals. And and um, I like that for the most part. You know, I love movies like The Raid. I'm yeah. sure you've seen that. I love right? The Raid. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a prude. But some of the stuff like sexual violence, there's, there's a really 
you know, Ancestral, upsetting sexual violence, sexually violent scene in the third episode involving the the MMA fighter, uh, which which really turned me off. This was done uh, when sexual violence was still okay. <laughs> It's so true. Well, before it we just like... missed, it just missed the mark. If you look at like, I think it started in 2012 or 2014. Mm, yeah, it just missed the, that whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and not to say that that can't serve you know an important purpose in a show, but I don't think they're executing it well. And so right now, overall for me, I was kind of on the negative end. But having this conversation with you guys does make me like elements of the show more and and does make me more curious to to maybe watch more of it. So right now I'm going to put it at five. All right. Five is very neutral and well-deserved. I think there's nothing more neutral than a five. (laughs) That's me, old Mr. Five. Chad, how about you? Where would you put this show? I would put it at an 8.5. Okay. Um, so breaking down even the 10-point 10, 10 yeah. scale. Well, it's, really, it's we're on a 20-point scale now. It's, uh, it's, uh. it's <laughs> technically. And the reason it goes at 8.5 and not a 9, similarly, I feel like they're a little tone deaf. Some, sometimes in their desire to be sort of racy and yeah. controversial, they come off as tone deaf. And also, I would say I have this, a similar thing with at the end of the day, I want my lead to be a little more fleshed out. Mm. And I think Lucas Hood gets sort of eclipsed by... I mean, there's just... He we, doesn't even have a name. Like right? He doesn't even have his own yeah, name. Yeah, like... And, and, you know, I actually think he's interesting, super interesting. But, like, at the end of the and day... he's you know, attractive. So. Yeah, in a way. Mm-hmm. In a way. Um, but, like, you know, there are just so many home run characters. And I don't mind, like, you were talking about that episode where they were trapped. And there were a lot of these weird um tangents and side angles i'm like bravo like i want to show like i guess too like i've written a bunch of pilots for like uh i don't mean to brag but uh i've sold some pilots but you know there is a sense sometimes when you're writing for tv that you really have to fit into your box like if you're out of your box then people don't know what the show is and i feel like this show sometimes missed but i appreciated these attempts to try unique and odd things there's a a robbery of a military base later where essentially it's all like found footage style, like all hidden cameras. And I thought that episode didn't really work, but I was like, good for you guys. Like, good for you to try. Like, I am with you. Ambition goes a long way. And so, and that ambition, and like, I mean, there's characters we didn't even talk about, like um, Proctor's bodyguard Clay, who's this sort of... Wears a bow tie. Looks very unassuming. He's amazing. He's so amazing. Like, to me, it was such a pleasure to watch these actors just like eat it up like just go for it and like i just don't see enough of that on tv i agree i think as, as a writer i also agree that like working on that writer's room must have been such a fun time um, so fun it's like an example of a one-hour drama but you really operating as a half-hour room because people are just you know probably finding comedy in in all the extremes that they're writing yeah so that just sounds like a ton of fun I mean, this is a great example. Banshee is a great example of amazing characters you want to keep seeing. Yeah. Even some of them maybe not your favorite. And one last mention, because he's a guy who I've really enjoyed um, in the Iron Fist series. I forget his, the actor's name, um, but he plays the... Uh, the you know, there's a sister and the brother yeah. who run the... Um, the brother, I forget. Yeah, the sister's not as interesting, I no. thought. But, also uh, attractive. Yeah, but... On, uh, oh, the, on Iron Fist, you're talking about. Yeah, on Iron Fist. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a sister and brother on... Um, oh, you're talking about, um, you're talking about uh, Alex Longshadow and Nola Longshadow, I there think. There you go. So this actor, he plays this guy, Deputy Kurt Bunker, hmm. and... He's late in the season, but what I love about it is how much of a misfire it is because he is a white Nazi white supremacist covered in Nazi tattoos. 
but he wants to change his ways. And so this actor, (laughs) I wish I had this actor's name. He plays it so earnestly that he wants to change his ways. It's so overwhelmingly like that. I just loved every second. Like, I'm like, this is a terrible idea to have this Nazi be it. Like imagine at one point in the series, he's going around in this deputy uniform covered in white surprise like what if you're a black person in this town you don't know this guy's story and this cop shows up but this actor went so deep and tom pelfrey tom pelfrey kills this role and he's so sorry about being a nazi it's like you feel the weight of the universe on him at all times and it's like well that's such a weird and fun character that you don't see anywhere else so Mm. a lot of like that 8.5 for me is just the balls to try Mm. you know and so yeah i would definitely if you like Grindhouse stuff, if you like um, John Woo stuff, if you like John Carpenter stuff, watch this show. You will you will respond well to it. The Little China movie, for example. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, don't you feel like all of mm-hmm. that kind of swirled together? It's, it's an early Sam Raimi. Like, I feel like they're not, might, maybe not the sci-fi element, but just the the uh, balls. Just That's yeah. interesting. I think if the show had some amount of, like, self-awareness of lucas hood the way that like big trouble in little china does or uh like you know Mm -hmm. any of the evil dead movies i think i might connect with it more to get a sense that like this guy if it grounded him a little more like made him more human because sometimes he feels like a tiger (laughs) yeah Yeah. well i would also say Give it a few more because they are still finding. Right. There's very much like the, any yeah. show is right in the and they're trying to really push. Like I would say, the first half of the first season, while I think those shows are all entertaining, it's still very much trying to establish itself as a dangerous show. And then as it moves, it settles into these characters a little more. And the Amish aspect becomes more prominent, oh, which is so many and just upset Amish people. <laughs> like every time they go to the uh, Amish uh, community. Just the sort of blank, upset faces of the Amish. It's just like such a, ter- like, it's like witness in that sense of like, did you even do any research on Amish people at all? Like, hmm. it's just, I mean, and, but in a way that made me laugh. I know? guess if there was any community, if you were a person who wanted to marginalize communities, the only community you could really do that to is the Amish at this point, because they won't know. They'll never know. So, and if they of, do know, shame on them. For all of for all of you bigots out there, <laughs> uh, you know who to target next. No, don't do that. Yeah, don't. They, uh, do that. but they definitely the, the writers watched Witness twice, and they're like, <laughs> "We got it. We know Amish people." All right, great. Uh, Chad, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to plug in your life or in your work uh, before we go? So, if you're in Los Angeles, I do a lot of stuff out of the Lyric Hyperion Theater and Cafe. Um, Monday nights I do, uh, as you mentioned, Dr. Brown builds a show, which is super fun where we work on stuff, but also, um, I live direct workshops there and run Mm. people through clown exercises in front of a live audience. And it's a really fun and electric kind of atmosphere where we try to be outrageous and yeah. So Chad, Chad can be very outrageous. I have a bit of reputation (laughs) in the best possible way. And then Catsby. Yeah, I run a show um, at the Clubhouse, um, which is a, a venue in Los Angeles called Catsby, and that's second and fourth Sundays, uh, starting at seven thirty. So you can find us on Facebook or just look us up and uh, come see a show. And uh, Sasha and I run a show second and fourth Thursday of every month at the Moving Arts Direct Video Awards. Come if you want.